0: Hey, what's going on? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation podcast. It is uh, 8 p.m. on the 11th of February 2021. It's a Thursday today. And uh pretty busy day. Working on the end of the week. That feels good. Had a busy afternoon and evening. Helped a bunch of folks put smiles on faces, and mobility back in joints, and eliminated some pain, and made some sense of some friends, their health conditions that they're dealing with, everybody's my, I'm friends with fucking everybody, man, look, it's the way to be, I think, you got to try to be a friend, you know, uh, to have a friend, you got to just be a friend, there's a lot of folks out there that are lonely, particularly during the pandemic, everybody's, as discussed previously, everybody's talking about how the impact on kids and social elements and our society, and, you know, one thing that I, I, I may have mentioned before, which really freaking interests me, is you can meet somebody. If You might be somebody you've been interacting with over the past year, and you see them every day, and they got their mask, and they got their, you know, you can read their body language, you can... You have a sense of who they are and their mannerisms and you, you've developed a, a relationship. You, you, you know them. But until you've seen their actual face and the upturned corners of their mouth with a smile or a frown or a resting bitch face or whatever it is, you don't have no idea who you're dealing with. I was talking to my wife yesterday and there's people that I, I interact with regularly that I've gotten to know, new patients over the past year, and I've been helping them, I've been working on their physical bodies, I've been working on, you know, their joints and their muscles, and I can, I can feel so much, and I'm familiar with so much about their, their being, I know about their family members, I know about their job, and their, their ambitions, and their vacation destinations, and all this stuff, but I have never seen their face their complete face how fucking nutty is that it really is amazing like you don't understand until things are taken away how important that particular aspect of humanity is to me that is interesting now that's interesting to me as well the things that i don't know i you, sometimes i wonder a lot of things i talk about here I wonder if other people observe, are having the same observations or if they find these things interesting or not. I'm sure that everyone notices it, and I guess that's the purpose of this, try to find something interesting to talk about. But I truly am interested, interested, and I think to be interesting is to be interested, right? To have some things going on, to make some observations, to try to interact with people and understand things—that makes you an interesting human being yourself. And so, it's pretty cool that whole this whole notion. But think about that: the folks that we interact with on so many levels they you know, their face, their lit, their lips, their face, facial hair, or lack thereof. Gotta put this on pause for one moment. Okay, so as I was saying, try to find some interesting things to talk about. Try to gather some stories across the day and the week. See if there's something worth discussing, something worth mulling over. Try not to be too passionate or excited about things, because that is a problem for me. To be honest, and I'm always honest. I I am passionate, man. Like I feel there's a lot of wishy-washy people out there. I encounter folks and they just like seem to be absolutely void of any interests. I mean, there's a lot of people who who have plenty of interest and are interesting people and are. Care a great deal and all that stuff, but there's a lot of folks that just kind of just I don't know, picking their way through life that seem lost. Maybe that's a lot of us. So I would call those people to um, to find their passion, whatever the fuck it is, you know. Had a young lady in tonight. What a what a sweetheart. Mother's bringing her in, helping her out with her back, feeling good. Took home a. Ceiling tile in the office to to paint it, and I've been fortunate to have some really good friends and patients and people who are artistically inclined to help me put together this uh, art gallery, Healthy Balance Art Gallery. So she put together this this, um, panel, spray painted white, and then put all these different attributes uh, you know, things that she, you know, being positive, uh, like some sayings and some illustrations, I thought it was wonderful that she would share that and I put it right up in the ceiling and it looks great I'm really thankful for that But um, so that's wonderful, well, we're talking to this young lady about, oh you know she's, uh, she's 13 and she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life and of course we've had that conversation, right where you don't have to figure it out exactly what you want to do with your life, you got your entire life to try to figure things out, try to come to that conclusion and find your way, and of course, you got to start somewhere, yes, want to earn a living, you want to put some money away, you want to feel like you're useful, like you can produce something in this world, I think that that's important for all of us for a lot of reasons, you know, for, to, yeah, to make sure, fulfill the, basic necessities of life, also to have some sort of mission, some maybe a passion, something that you can do that you really enjoy, otherwise that job or that career just winds up being a means to an end, and you really don't necessarily have... Just arrive at a hypothetical date of retirement, and then you're like, "Okay, now what do I do?" People are bored out of their fucking minds. So I'm glad I'm not bored. That would be the worst case scenario for me: being bored and just kind of working out, and like wondering why are we here and just going through the same old freaking song and dance. Which already, you know, even with all, a lot of the things I have going on and my various passions. I can, things get complacent, get a little bit humdrum every once in a while, a little monotonous. And so I explained to this young lady listen, you know, you could do a bunch of stuff. She wants to be an interior designer, it's a good place to start. Maybe you find out along the way that you like this one facet of it that you happen to be able to make a living with. You do that, you design your own home, you work on your own home and extract some kind of joy from that. You help out other people. With some element of, you know, use your talents, your artistic tendencies to to help other people in various ways. Um, So you can have your cake and eat it too. Get a job, pays the bills. Maybe you'll hate certain aspects of it, but then you find something you really love to do. You know, a hobby, something maybe you can earn a living with a little bit. It's my wood carving and my teaching and stuff, you know. So, that was just some thoughts on that note. Now I'm heading home. Uh, I have some more, some other content here. and I've been wondering recently about uh, genealogy. You know, my mother was such a genealogy buff. She put together just files, file after file, microfiche, uh, all that online stuff, 23andMe, etc., etc. She delved into the past of both our you know, her side and my father's side of the family—Ireland, and Poland, and Czechoslovakia—to and the present, up to the present day. And she just relinquished a bunch, of, a box full of this, my father's side, to my sister. Sent it down to Florida, and she's been going through it, and she found some things like a poem that my aunt who was a fucking phenomenal human being. Just a great woman, smart, thoughtful, kind, funny. She was a lawyer and uh, I don't know why you feel like saying that but you know she was an accomplished person. She was a she, she went to law school when a lot of young ladies choosing to be, to be housewives, not that there's anything wrong, wrong with that, but she had a career, she had her act together, she provided for her family, she took me aside and, and gave me some of her wisdom and direction, and at one point in my life, when I was trying to determine my career, let me stay with her for a week or two, and we just had a great time, I wish I had her to speak to, she was a real wise person, and um, she passed away, breast cancer, fought that for 10 years, anyway, she wrote a, (coughs) you know, uh, an excerpt, her thoughts about my father, like, I'm trying, she she was, she said, I'm trying to remember my earliest dealings with you, Mike, you know, as far back as I can remember, and she talked about these occasions on the back on the block when they were growing up, and he lived in an apartment, and there was an adjacent apartment, and that's my dad's friend lived there. And one day a bully came over and beat the snot out of him, and and um, yeah, people made fun of my dad's ears. He had these kind of big, biggish ears, and <clears throat> my dad one time tried to climb, uh, scale a picket fence and got caught on the other side by the collar of his shirt and almost died and they heard him gurgling and my mother, my grandmother, paternal grandmother went over and unhooked him from the fence and he impaled himself on a stick one time and he, you know, they really didn't have much to do with each other, my, my father and his sister until she started to grow up a little bit and settle down, and she was going to school, and she was working, and he got his first job out at of a, at a high school in a uh, screen printing place, and just on and on. It was about a page, good page, long uh, prose composition that she was just recounting these things from, their, from growing up, you know, back in the block, back in North Jersey, Kearney, New Jersey, And my father, my grandfather, they called him Pop-Pop. We always called my my paternal grandfather Pop-Pop. And I, for some reason, thought that that was exclusive to my grandfather. Like, other people didn't have a pet name for their grandfather. I always called him Pop-Pop and Graham, Pop-Pop and Graham. Pop-Pop and Graham, Pop-Pop and Graham. Couldn't get enough of them. My grand, my maternal grandparents and family—they were wonderful people too. Um, I always remember, though, there were there were a lot of them. There were seven brothers and sisters, and more moving parts, and it was always comparatively chaotic when we went over there. We went over my paternal grandparents' house. It was just Grandma, Pop Bob, and Graham, and a bunch of you know art strewn around and cellar with uh, that opened up bilko doors to a little backyard and had a bird bath and a great barber and there was always different wood projects woodworking projects and sculptures and home improvements and pop-up-ish things various uh, mason jars screwed into the ceiling with different grades of nuts and bolts and screws and nails and you name it. And this peculiar weightlifting system that was like made of these, like a pulley apparatus, and he would, I guess, exercise down there. My grand paternal grandfather pop was always doing something. He was a real unique individual. Somebody that I think would be worthy, worth studying, you know, like to really look at a life, not a perfect man by any means, I'm sure, but he had interest, like I'm talking about the things that I'm into. I think he was interested in a, about a, a great many things. He always had these playbill books. What was up with that? What is playbill? Not Playboy, but playbill. It seems like a um, like it was a theater sort of thing. So he would go; they would go to the theater. I guess him, and my grandmother. And he was part of these groups where they would do art, and there was um, sketches of courtrooms and stuff. So he would go down, and and he was like a courtroom artist. He would draw the different action going on in the courtroom and sca- to scale, and he was tremendous with his art. And I just thought that, that that's always something you can have with you, you know, your sketches and your carvings and your music and your theater, and these are things that I kind of started to scrutinize later in my, you know, like when I entered my 30s, when I finally got my career up and running and I had taken my last graduate course, I thought, and I had a little bit of time, I started carving wood, I started making things, and now I'm just crazy about it, you know? But so that composition that my Aunt Ellen wrote makes me ponder, makes me wonder like she's mentioning things. I I cited my my grandfather, we always call him Pop-Pop. And then she writes in this composition that they're Pop-Pop. And of course, that's what they called their grandfather. Right? How they'd go to the pool or they'd go to this park or whatever the hell they were up to. And Pop-Pop would do this. And I'm thinking about Genealogy. I'm thinking about the experiences that my father might have had or did have, without a doubt, growing up. You know, all the things that she mentioned, my aunt, which were strangely kind of like dramatic, you know, things that, I guess, stuck out. We when you, when you consider things that stick in your memory. It's usually some real, like, uh, it's not trivia. It's stuff that is... Um, not trivial things. It's things that tend to stick. They tend to be dramatic enough to stick in your memory, like somebody getting impaled by a stick, or going to Boy Scout uh, meets, or when a bully came by and took your bike, or whatever it was. I remember those things too. I remember some other details as well. I think I remember more than most. So maybe that is my part of an artistic tendency that I have is that I will notice details and be interested in them and try to figure things out and try to imagine things. I always had a big imagination. And uh, like stories could come alive as I imagine these things. And as I remember things growing up In my own little community I had all those experiences You know, I had um, Adventures around the neighborhood And in the woods In the pines And in the bay And in the surf And at school And encounters with bullies And girls and friends And exploration All kinds of experiences You know And hearing about my father's experiences, and now he's 75 and had a stroke a year and a half, two years ago. Seems like that was only yesterday, but he's been dealing with that for a while now. And his memory, I don't know. I I don't know how much he's got and how much he's just just tired. I think of my father and the stories that he would tell, they were... Tremendous. He was a great storyteller. I mean, he was a great dad, but he was not a very expressive person. He has not been. He would always kind of. I mean, I'm a loner. Uh, I've left up to my own devices. I like to say I'm a. I prefer alone time. I. I get, full, of people, and and I just prefer to be because my imagination is enough to keep me occupied a lot of times. I enjoy people, I enjoy far more social and emotional, I think, than, than my father or my parents or most people I know. But I just, I, I wonder a lot about the nature and, and nurture of things. Like, was I born or was I made? Of course, it's a, a hybrid situation all of us have our experiences and we have our genetics and the environment in which we are raised and And I think about <clears throat> then a lot of things that my children as they are entering their teens what their experiences have been and and will be and I want to share with them some wisdom and some stories and and Make some memories with them so that they will always be able to, you know, think back to what it was like growing up because these are important times. You know, not to poo poo when people say, oh, this is a pandemic, growing up during a pandemic, and, you know, it's really tough and kids are not learning and such and such. Well, uh, it sucks, but it could always be worse, I guess, you know? We could have bombers strafing our our cities and <clears throat> be in some sort of world war situation which I wouldn't be surprised if one broke out due to all this coronavirus chaos and just that pressure cooker that I keep citing um, so I want my children to have memory memorable experiences I want to share with them stories that we have to tell. And I want them to make their own. Start writing chapters in their own book, you know. In order to do that, you need to get out, right? So that's the challenge right now. How can we get out and start living again? I have all these experiences that I can share about, you know, the people that I meet every day and, and interact with. people that are working from home comparatively less, right? Have comparatively less stories to tell. Fewer. So I have quite a bit of ambition for us to start living again so we can begin to weave the genealogy again. And, you know, we do that Talk about uh, genetics and what are, what we are programmed to, to be like, and, and to do, and to um, how to think, how to act, all that stuff. There are genetic predispositions. Far more genetic predispositions than most of us appreciate. You know, I've addressed that issue before, but our experiences also play a role, and our environment also plays a role. So as soon as we possibly can, we want to get out and start, start doing this again. Start living, start experiencing, start falling down, getting back up. You got to go out into the world, you know? And so that's what we're going to do. I was talking today with some patients about, you know, how we are going to start working out of this situation. Just like... The season in which we're in, the winter and Christmas seems like, and Thanksgiving seems like, I don't know, seems like a long time ago to me. It was only really a month or so ago, a couple months ago. Time passes very quickly in the pandemic, which is crazy because there's really not a whole lot to do, right? You ask people how their, what their weekends are going to consist of and they don't, they're like, oh, well, probably, probably not much. Don't really have anything going on. Had a woman come in today. She's talking about how she works for a bank and customer service, and she just doing all this overtime. And okay, we'll have a good weekend. Oh well, really ain't got much going on. Well, you got to find something to do. Better, you know, jump into a book, take a nice hike out there, put on your uh, snow boots find a way to entertain yourself because shit, people used to live for the weekends, right? Now we're like, we don't know. We can't wait till the weekend so we can just stop working and shut down a little bit. But the adventure is really not, not as pronounced. But I believe that just like this, this season, this winter, we're going to fade into spring. I, I just received some buffalo, um, Butterfly seeds. They're basically wildflowers. I think 80,000 seeds, and I got two packs of this stuff, and I'm going to grow these bastards. I want butterflies and bees and all kinds of pollinators to come call into our house. I, I really want to get that ecosystem going again. If you remember, if you've been tuning in, <coughs> there um, there are some sizable, or not sizable, flanking our garage on either side of our two-car garage. There's a patch that I will seasonally um, plant there, and I'll put wildflowers in there, and they are friggin' gorgeous. You know, they pop up, they last for months on end, and they're just tremendous. I can't wait to get the green things growing again, and the beautiful flowers, and call in those bees and birds, and butterflies and the whole fucking nine yards. There used to be toads that would hang out there. And these toads, this past season, spring, summer, they would be gigantic and they'd take these gigantic shits in our driveway. I I surmise that they were harvesting the sun, you know, the, the energy, thermal energy from the sun on our driveway all day. And at night they'd come out and they'd feast on the bugs in that patch. And one time, there was a freaking garter snake that was stalking the toad. I wonder if it got it. The toads always seem to to um, be back there every morning by, by the frequency and intensity of their shits. Which, by the way, were like all these exoskeletons from various bugs stacked in a turd shape. Pretty disgusting, but hey, they gotta eat. And I'm glad that my friggin' wildflowers were providing some sustenance for them. I look forward to the toads and their turds and all the bugs and all the flowers and all the horticulture. I can't fucking wait. So when the winter fades to spring and spring to summer, the season is going to change. And so is the pandemic. Yeah, it'll be around for months and years to come. It'll be lurking. You'll hear about patches of outbreaks and all that stuff, but you know, with these vaccinations becoming more and more widespread, the likelihood that as many people are going to suffer and die, going to be uh, going to be a lot less commonplace. And so, people will be encouraged to go out and rejoice. And take a role, take an active role in our lives again, you know? So as I said yesterday, now is the time to really start laying the groundwork for that. What can we do during the pandemic to make the best use of our time? Imagine if you could emerge having read all these books and having learned new skills and having made new friends and having really invested the time and effort in your, um, in your physical and mental well-being, especially mental well-being, right? Physical too, it's all one concerted effort, but I think that's important. I, I can't wait to start doing that, living more and better for my, uh, my family, I love him. I can't wait to walk in the door tonight, see my kids, my wife, my dog, and uh, whoever this guy that's driving so fast up my anus hole. I'm podcasting, dude, so if I can slow down or I will um, pull over the side of the road and engage in a snowball fight with you, and if I can take your mug and put you in a full Nelson and freaking smash your face into the ice and snow. You know, there's always a possibility that that could, that that could happen when you're messing around with me. I'm a nice guy, you know, but hell has no fury. You get to my podcast, so anyway. Taking my little nightly podcast detour. Those are my thoughts for today. It's been a good week administered some tests. My students are doing well. My patients are are doing well. Doing their best. I'm doing my best to serve them. Providing for my family. Trying to make myself um, a better human being despite these crazy troubled times. In closing, I got, uh, from Amazon today, I got three little rugs, they look like flowers, look like those wildflowers I can't wait to plant, um, one is pink, one is blue, and one is a little sunflower with a cute little ladybug on it, so, that's the former marine in me, so fuck it, I'm kidding, um, but they're beautiful, they're adorning, they're set up in a trio there as you walk into my office, my adjustment room, so... Put a smile on your face. Warp brighten up the room. I also got this stepper. It's a stand on it and you step and it's got some uh, little D-rings that you can put. uh, Surgical tubing, exercise bands. You can attach them and you can kind of step and also do some workouts with those bands. And so I think that's pretty neat and I'm looking forward to using that this weekend, maybe while watching some TV, or listening to some music, I'll just step and band, and burn some calories, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow evening's meal, you know, it's Fridays, Saturdays, we splurge a little bit, and we get some freaking good grub in, so I'm looking forward to that shit, tell you what, my wife and kids, I know it wasn't much of a snow last night, but they would do well to get their stank asses out here and do some damn snow shoveling as well. I can't do all this stuff. Understand what I'm saying? All right, here I am. Alright, that will conclude this period of instruction. I love and respect Ooh, oh. Backing up into something. Hold on. Love and respect, my friends. I will talk to you all tomorrow, no doubt. <laughs>